everyone. Welcome to Outspoken Outtakes, Volume 9. This one includes previously unaired material from episodes 41 and 44. So even if you've already heard those full episodes, here's a little extra that you didn't hear. And if you haven't yet heard those, then here's a taste of what to expect. Uh, The music is a piece I made a while ago. I called it Love Letters, although it's not aimed at anyone in particular. Um, I hope you enjoy the music and the words, and I will talk to you on the other side. to heal yeah they do ultimately they do for sure but our brains i'm not so sure yeah what do our brains want to do um protect the ego i think i think that's their main job these days and figure things out some some brains like to figure you know problem solve and but overdoing it on problem solving can be a whole malady for sure yeah that's true or, oh, can you pull that toward you just yeah. a bit? Sorry. Or being tuned in. That's great. Thanks. I mean, there's a, like the whole idea that people who have, say, panic disorder are uh-huh. just too tuned in right. to their physiology. Yeah. And that if we were all Everything that tuned a, in, we would all trigger. be completely flipped out. It's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I have hypersensitivity to certain things and I know it's uncomfortable and I know there are people with worse conditions than me with, you know, or several walking around just like you know it's not there's too much to take in for your average healthy person uh these days i think yeah so for anyone who's like a little bit off balance it's going to be extra weight right extra weight to carry it starts to make other things out of balance and i just like to keep i try to stay shut off a lot of the time from shut up from from, from uh, being overstimulated by oh yeah. sounds sights yeah people and how do you do that by spending tons of time by myself yeah inside like crazy amounts of time by myself really yes. yeah how what's the what's the ratio what would you say like i mean i i mean i i can go for days and i'll only see mark you know for uh-huh. a few hours in the evening uh-huh. and that's it no no other if I'm working at home, I'll just, yeah, I'll just be there. I mean, I'll see people out the window. Right. <laughs> wow. But I'm very, I'm very happy. Yeah. It's a, so, that, that sounds world. like such a beautiful thing to me, hearing you explain <laughs> it. It's just like. The, so you could spend that much time by yourself? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I could and I do. And I choose to on purpose all the time. I love people, but I love, I love alone time. I love doing stuff. And there's certain things that I only do alone there's certain creative activities that are mine you know that's what i 
I, I like to collaborate too, but there's certain things I don't want to collaborate on. Yeah. So, and some of them, a lot of them are time consuming. So, and that's what I want to be doing. So that's where my time goes. So is alone time mostly a time to work? It is these days. It didn't, it wasn't always, but it, yeah. I mean, it usually has to do with some creative pursuit, mm -hmm. music or art or this, or, you know, something that um, is productive and, you know, constructive and feels imaginative and, you know, it's got to be engaging. Well, it doesn't have to be. There were times in my life where I'm sure I was just wasting time, you know, I played a lot of video games. I watched a lot of TV, <laughs> you know. And I did that with other people too. I wasn't just alone, but I did. I spent a lot of time alone as a kid too, and enjoyed it. I could play with my Star Wars figures forever. I could play with my Matchbox cars. You know, build entire worlds in my room and never I didn't need anybody. It was great. And I could also go out by myself walking and I and be fine for hours at a time. I always liked that. Hmm. So I don't was, think that I spent very much time by myself as a kid. You didn't. No, I mean, I hung out with my sister all the time. You wanted, you wanted to hang out with her or you were forced I, to? No, I wasn't. No, I think we wanted to hang out, but I don't think that there was a... Even in my house, like, doors were always open. I don't mm. remember that being... It wasn't really even an invitation for us to, like, close our bedroom doors and just have private time. My mother was always slightly unnerved by that, I think. Really? Like, what are you doing in there? She was suspicious of you or, or, or just... Or maybe, or she just... Yeah, Concerned. I don't know. She thought it was weird. I remember the first time I went out to dinner by myself in high school. My mother was basically forbid me to go. Why are you going to go to to this? I was going to go to this Chinese restaurant and have dinner and bring just, a book. Just by yourself. Just yeah, just because I wanted to go and at, I just at what age? I was like sixteen or seventeen or something. I mean, old, reasonable. pretty pretty old. Yeah, you could drive. Yeah, exactly. And I was allowed to drive at you myself. Could drive somewhere by yourself. Yes. And my mother's like, "That's weird. People are gonna think you're weird. Don't do that." Oh, so it was about like yeah, stigma. Yeah, it was. was yeah, so there was some some idea that people who would want to be by themselves in public yeah. were real weirdos. Well, I used to think that about people who went to see movies by themselves, because I remember my first stepdad used to do that even on nights when we were all home and I, and I would be like, well, I want to go to the movies. Like, you know, in he fact, let, I want to see that you, movie. He wouldn't let you come. No, he's like, I'm going by myself. And I said, and I remember thinking, and I asked him, I was like, what? That's so weird. Going to the movies by yourself. It just seemed totally foreign to me. And then I got older. I was like, yeah, that's great. You go see something. You don't have to talk to anybody. You can get completely absorbed in the thing. Watch a movie the way it was meant to be watched, you know? Yeah, when I lived in Seattle, I saw, on Halloween, I saw a double feature of The Exorcist and The Shining by myself. Holy shit. <laughs> in like a really giant old theater that was probably 10% full. So and, I was in a, a row. I was in a row. haunted. Yeah, I was in a row completely <laughs> by myself. Jesus. It was so, and it was a midnight movie. That was the oh other thing. <laughs> it was so crazy. What were you trying to do? Well, you... the guy that I was living with at the time, his brother was in town and they were making his brother's website or something. Uh -huh. It was so boring. You know, it was like nothing. There was nothing for me to, to okay. do or to participate in. And Just I really wanted default. to go out you for were... Halloween to do something. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I guess I have no choice. Right. But nobody else was doing that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm going to go do something, but it's the least popular activity on Halloween. That's amazing. Well, did, were you able to get home that night without I was. shitting your I... britches? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a terrifying double Feature. was the second one which is the far scarier of the you think? two well there are parts of the exorcist that are 
horrifying. But but uh, yeah, by and large, it's it's just a really heavy. It's horrifying, but it feels like the pacing of it is that you kind of come back out of it again. Okay. A little bit with the extras, but the shining just you get just get deeper deeper down into that tunnel of the literal (laughs) maze and tunnel. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, there's no escape from the shining. I watched that movie when I was like 10 at home alone during a storm. (laughs) Oh, God. And I don't know. And my parents were, it was one of the rare occasions when my dad would go away for a weekend or something, my dad and stepmom. And so I almost never had that house to myself. And so for whatever reason, I think I went into their room. I think it was the better TV. So I went into their room to watch it, but they had this like glass door right there and they're trees right outside wave you know (laughs) it was the stupidest idea i don't think i slept that night and i used to do that shit all the time i would sneak like i would go to bed then my parents would go to bed then i would go downstairs and watch tv for hours because i was always a late nighter my mother wouldn't she would have been awake and down there really we couldn't get away with anything no no she was on she was a light sleeper and totally tuned in and yeah. and and worried we, about we you. We kept us every... all in line. Can you give me some examples? What are like what kind of? Oh, I mean, we, well, so we weren't allowed to. We weren't allowed to. Sn- we weren't allowed to snack between meals. So we didn't have any. Junk, we had no junk food in my house really. Um, oh, wow. And so, like a snack, a typical snack was a small Dixie cup of dry grape nuts that you would just sort of like, sort of like throw into your mouth. <laughs> Break your teeth off. Yeah, I mean, we had That's we would have cruel. cookies, but we were con- it was controlled. We were to have like we were allowed to have one Two. oatmeal cookie, you know, sometimes. Or she'd make wow. she'd make brownies and cut them into probably half an inch by an inch and a half perfect little rectangles and pile them all up oh. and you were allowed to have just so many right um so one time i remember i went into the pantry and i got i think i got a pack of gum it wasn't even something really illicit yeah. and um and i st- stuck it in my pocket and she's like what did you just get in there and i said um oh just a couple crackers like we were allowed to eat, maybe eat saltines or okay. something like that like oh a couple crackers she's like where'd you put it in my pocket, she's like, you didn't put that in your jean pockets. It's going to get all broken. What do you have in there? And like ferreted Whoa. out the gum. And it wasn't like I was grounded. I was just ashamed. Yeah. I was just ashamed for telling this totally meaningless, small, white lie. But it's because you were cornered. You had I no... was cornered. Yeah, but it was these, you know, and that barely ever happened. I mean, I would barely ever do that. Probably never try to take anything yeah. secretly again after that. Oh, no. How does that? How do you think that's like fed into your <laughs> your pers- your personality and your? Well, I was really like a very straight kind of rule oriented person yeah. all through high school and did what you know did what I was supposed to do for the most part and. Do you think and that then was when out I of went to college? Being... I went crazy. I okay. just you know I just like went wild and yeah. did whatever and was very irresponsible yeah. in lots and lots of ways. <laughs> and you know inherited a car from my sister my i guess my second year in college and was just taught myself to drive a stick shift like get drinking like driving around you know wow. philadelphia and just was just outrageous you know kind of had no <clears throat> sense that anything was ever going to happen to me because i was just being a normal in my mind i was just being normal after okay. being really battened down for such a long time okay you felt like everybody <laughs> else had always had access to that sort of wild existence uh, uh, and you were I, Maybe, or maybe that was just a grand justification. I don't know. I just didn't. You didn't see that you were (laughs) overcorrecting? No, not at the time. Okay. I was very uh, high energy. (laughs) Yeah. And 
you know how energy feeds on itself it just oh, kind yeah. of becomes like a manic storm feels of so enthusiasm. good when, yeah, yeah when you're charged up and then yeah. something's going right uh-huh. you, it's it's magnified tenfold and then you have to do something else you like, yeah. what's what else what uh, maybe i'll maybe i could drive this car from the roof you know <laughs> we'll see i mean it's remarkable nothing really you talk about having some built-in morality or you know i think as crazy as i was probably other people wouldn't think that was so crazy because I think there was always some sense of, I didn't go completely over the edge. Although when I think back to things, I mean, I do think that I was really reckless and didn't yeah. a very, Driving around drunk very, very lucky that nothing really bad happened to mm-hmm. me. I remember, you know, doing mushrooms with some friends and we decided it'd be really fun to burn up some rubber cement in our dorm room on like the tile floor and we had this crazy bonfire of rubber cement just in the middle of the dorm room just you know like we thought that was great we're going to do it again Mm -hmm. i mean it was not there was never any sense that anything bad could ever happen wow and nothing did was there ever anything like somewhat catastrophic that made you put a stop to all that or or what no, t- you just got not, older and survived not, yeah and, i survived no no nothing yeah. really catastrophic happened i think never I've went been, to jail no, I, no no i think i've been very lucky for the times i've tempted fate <laughs> yeah good job yeah I, I you know maybe there was some internal compass where i knew i could push it just far enough but would sort of reel things back hmm. do you have do you can you think of times where that was the case where you you were like, ooh, this is walking a little too close to the edge. I'm gonna I'm gonna ease back a bit. Like were there no. times? No. No, I don't remember that consciously, but I don't no. know. Maybe you just have a comfort zone, and even though you feel like you're completely out of control, you're still not gonna step beyond that. Like, but I think when uh, drugs or alcohol are involved, <clears throat> it's very difficult to be cognizant of that line. I think it. De- well, yeah, it's the line changes and your perception of it, and maybe they're different lines or moving lines, um, squiggly lines. But I think that, well, for me, I was always aware of where, of where the edge, like where the line of stupidity was or that, you know, (laughs) you know, I was always, I was like, okay, this is, this is definitely dangerous. You know, this is, or this is against the law or this, whatever, this is pretty stupid. And I, with that awareness would choose pretty much always to go ahead with it anyway. Because I wanted to see, I wanted to see what, I wouldn't, I knew what, you know, if this is life-threatening, then I need to really be careful. There's, you know, there, there's a definite boundary. And that, but if it's something that, I mean, lots of things are potentially life-threatening. You just aren't thinking about the fact that they could be, you know, just getting in your car in the first place or just going to the store or whatever. But I don't know when you're consciously doing dumb stuff that, you know is really dumb you know but it's also really fun or it's you know having like doing it and then getting away with it is such a thrill that you feel like that's life like that's some part of your life experience that's worthwhile or at least that's how i felt that's a that's a piece of the living that i want to do it's like this risk taking it's kind of fun i don't think i ever really i feel like i was so caught up in the moment and the the sort of mania and the the connections that my brain was making, mm. you know, between what I was thinking about and the music, the music I was listening to, and then just the raw experience rushing at me that I don't think I ever really in those moments thought about the boundaries or the edges. It was like a very naive 
experiential kind of thing, which felt probably, probably more like a mania trip, you know, I mean, (laughs) like a a never end, you know, kind of an ongoing, you know, mania mania experiments. And (laughs) I, you know, I, I don't know why, I don't know why nothing terrible happened to me. I, you know, it's only after, it's only in retrospect that I look back on these things and I think like, what, you know, what, what were you thinking? Do you believe in guardian angels or I don't know. predeterminism or I don't like... in any active way. I, I mean, but, but I, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like somehow I was protected or I protected myself. I don't know. Hmm. It's yeah. very mysterious to me. I mean, other bad things have happened in my life as far as like being burglarized several times and, you know, having things taken away from me, like bad, huh. you know, bad, unpleasant things yeah. um, that, that were very upsetting. For and, sure. Yeah. And felt just like an unlucky, something very unlucky that happens to you. So right. it's not like I feel like I've led, led a charmed life in that way. But but I think when I've been stupid, somehow, something, people, mm-hmm. the world, the universe, yeah. seems to have protected me from my stupidity really taking a bad toll on me. Wow. For the most part, I guess. Yeah. And what know. do you and what do you do to pay that back to the to all those things you just listed? I don't know. I guess I try to look out for other people and, you know, contribute as much as I can to <clears throat> a lower level of stupidity in the world. There you go. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. You up, up the intelligence factor in all behaviors and all your attitudes. I try. And, and also, I don't know, even just watching. Okay, so when something really horrible is happening mm. out and about, I really try not to be part of the gawking public that allows their adrenaline to get caught up in yeah, that thing. That's a good. When I see people fighting, I just try to walk away. I, I really try not to participate in. I don't know, putting in energy and attention. What we were talking about before yeah. is sort of attending to those things and making them have some further reality because they become part of my consciousness. Right. So. I, um. I think that's a great practice and a really good boundary to to set for yourself and it seems like it would it would protect you to whatever extent you can be protected when you're walking around in the world and yeah. stuff's happening around you because if you engage with it you're definitely going to take some of that home with you you know if you sit and watch two people fight you're going to have that image in your head longer than you would if you didn't you well know? there's also just that gross feeling that you have where you recognize this really almost reptilian human side mm-hmm. of wanting to see another human in this compromised situation or where they're pushed to their limits or um you know it seems like so much of television now is mm-hmm. about this is sort of activating this this fight or flight kind of really base level human um emotion or yeah. or i don't even know if it's an emotion it's more of a physiological kind of response of um the, the the sort of simultaneous disbelief and you can't look away you know the the way for example when you're driving on the highway and everyone has to stop to see the accident i mean i i literally say to myself i'm not going to participate in this because i just feel that it's 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 contributing to some very negative um thoughtless almost uh almost a behavior that we can't control mm-hmm. and, and i want to reject that notion that we have to give we have to give way to these base instincts Mm -hmm. and um 
So I don't know the mechanism by which that makes the world better. I don't know, but I feel like it's, it's some principle that I have that I just feel that it's somehow morally questionable to, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to give into these things. Yeah, I get that. And I think it does benefit the world energetically when you do, you know, if you put your focus on the positive stuff instead of negative, no matter what it is and on all levels, I think that's, you know, I, I even think it can be proven. I mean, I even, you know, people would argue that they can't be because it's what sort of empirical, you know, what, test, would you, yeah, yeah. what would you set up to test it? But if you look at lives, you look at people who believe this way versus that way, you're going to see more anecdotal evidence that the, their belief carried them into what they were thinking in either case. I mean, if somebody has got all negative beliefs, they're probably sitting around being pretty pissed at the world and, you know, not happy with themselves and, it's where it's what you attend to. It's the yeah. same principle. I mean, there's a kind of stupidity that you can observe in comedy or in television, or mm-hmm. um, that feels really human in the best possible way. You know, mm-hmm. the sort of celebration of how absurd we are as as beings. Yeah. And I think of that as so different from um, the kind of stupidity that is somewhat malicious or makes fun of people or puts people in, in compromised situations. And, and I think that making a distinction there of how that makes you feel, but also what that means to the larger picture of the world is that's really important to me. I really try to reject the things that I think come from a malicious, ugly sort of, I don't know, almost like the worst the worst view of humans you have to know the worst view of humans in order to appreciate the worst view of humans yeah. and you sort of have to be familiar with that in order to really appreciate it or let it be funny to you agitated about the things that I've lost but I don't I don't think it helps to blame your friends either even if they (laughs) even if they're guilty you know I mean I've had stuff stolen from me by people who I know stole it and they know they stole it and there's you know some of them I've seen again and been able to say hey where's my jacket or whatever and what did they say oh oh yeah sorry man uh I, didn't need, I needed a jacket. So in that case, you'd rather just believe it. it. You'd rather just kind of think it went into some other dimension than to have to have that interaction. No, I've, <laughs> no, I'm not afraid of the interaction. I've had, you know, given the opportunity, I'll, I'll rush at the interaction because, <laughs> motherfucker, where's my stuff? You know, like I, you know, you took it from my house or from my. But man, I hate it so much. I hate when people steal things. I hate it so so much. 
Not just I mean, from you, in general. In general, yeah. Stealing. I just hate the idea. Like, that's not yours. Don't take it, you know? But that's a, that's a, a moral I had to come to. I, I, had, I, had, I left it and came back to it, you know? Right. I, had, I knew what was right all along, and I chose otherwise because I had other needs. I had other, you know, deep-seated psychological needs that um, needed that I believe that's what happened I needed to work out some of these issues and one way to do that was to venture down these paths that I had a feeling were not a good place to be and good idea but I I needed to see firsthand so you think your morality was fully developed but you had these more pressing psychological needs or do you think your morality wasn't fully developed I think my morality was skewed by my experiences early on I think and I think that that is a common occurrence. I think that kids are often exposed to things that are out of sync with what you think is right. And sometimes they're perpetrated by people you thought were, you know, virtuous or, or right, you know, righteous. And um, so it messes your, it throws everything off kilter and then you have to readjust. And then you start to, at least I did, I started to experiment with my own, you know, the boundaries of my own morality like why why is it bad to i mean i had certain ones that were just they felt built in like the cruelty to animals thing like i just couldn't do it i wouldn't do it you know and then i had this one friend who was like putting a magnifying glass up and burning ants and i was like well that's kind of incredible that's sort of a bizarre fucking powerful crazy thing that a kid could do and Mm -hmm. so i was like i guess i'm gonna try it you know I was more into burning leaves. I would like burn little holes in dead leaves. But um, but I did a little bit of destruction of anthills or, you know, killing of small things that I later, I mean, I, I tortured myself with the shame I felt about that stuff too. And uh, I don't want to do that anymore. But again, it was like I, I needed to have a firsthand experience of it in order to move past it. I couldn't, I couldn't let the idea exist without having tried it. Yeah. With certain things, with you know, with a lot of things. That's how. That's a lot of the way. I've just been a trial and error, trial and error, running into the world. Got to do this. I've never done this. I got to try it. Got to see what it's like. And except for the things that I know outright that I wouldn't be interested in, and then I just walked past them. Yeah. Well, I think that's. I think that having that firsthand knowledge, and feeling that you've made a choice, mm-hmm. seems like a really important step i mean i don't know how i guess there maybe are people who accept the values that they get from their parents Mm -hmm. completely or maybe they go through some internal thought experiments about them but they don't actually ever test those boundaries or transgress those things in any way where they test them out for themselves i think they're things i tested out or figured out or seemed like breaking rules was fun for a while Mm -hmm. you know whatever they were big or small rules yeah getting away with something was kind of cool for a time the the world i think about this a lot now because the world seemed less scary and less on the verge of destruction Mm. (laughs) at that point i mean there was a whole some of it's the age that you are but there's also just this whole sense that the establishment really was the establishment and that you could rail against things as much as you wanted to that it probably it was important but it probably wasn't going to change things which Mm -hmm. could be a source of frustration but also a sense of i'm not going to break things i'm not going to be part of the problem of breaking things yeah 
Yeah, I remember that shift happening in my head. And now it just feels like I can't imagine as a young person wanting to test all these boundaries and push things and break things or yeah. try to break. It doesn't seem like that would be one satisfying. It seems like there's enough of that kind of going on in the world already. Yeah. That doesn't seem like the way that one would transgress now. I don't know what people For do. me, it wasn't a transgression. It was an outlet. Like I need, I needed to, um, anything destructive anyway, was, was me venting anger that I couldn't really put anywhere else without hurt, feeling like I would hurt someone. Yeah. You know? So destruction of inanimate things. I'm, and I'm not talking about animals. They're, I know they're animate and sentient. <laughs> and I'm talking about like smashing, uh, I don't know, throwing a rock through a window or you know doing smashing a mailbox with a bat from a car you know which is a thing that happens in the midwest and elsewhere um that kind of <laughs> stuff it's you know it's angst you know that is built up from whatever your experiences is uh, experiences are but i think that for me in terms of well I, I when i looked around as a kid and saw the hypocrisy that adults you know lived with regularly and sort of you know, I don't think they're, I don't know. I, I had a lot of hard feelings against adults when I was a kid because I didn't, I felt either overlooked or misunderstood or mistreated or, you know, in some yeah. way not seen or not heard. Um, and then I would hear them say, well, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. And then they'd be doing something totally different. So when I started to see those, you know, divergences from what is being said versus what, yeah. It's being done. I started to think for myself, like, well, I can do whatever I want, really. Um, and I think I would rather go do something honestly and, and experience it than make some rule about what you can and can't do for somebody, for somebody else. Like, why? I mean, it just made no sense to me that anyone, my parents up to a point, it made sense. And beyond that, nothing made sense for anyone else to be telling me what I should do or how to do it. And so, yeah, I guess I think back to your question of like, do you think your morals were firmly in place or do you, or did the, was there a psychological need? I don't remember how you phrased it exactly, but which came first? Oh, right. Sort of, yeah. Were your morals fully developed <clears throat> or did they? I, yeah. I think, and I think my answer was that they were, they, they were impacted by stuff that yeah. so they were sort of askew. Um, so I don't know. I think the morals are, are constantly, you know, reshaping. It, it, the, I think it's a process of reshaping compare, you know, looking at your life experience over time and looking at the impact it's had on other people and seeing how you feel as you carry these, you know, old wounds that you've received or given. And, you know, yeah. if that stuff is still sitting with you, you know, which it does for me, like if anything I've done wrong to someone that I'm aware of, oh, I, yeah, it definitely. just sits with me for, you know, I know. until I can either correct it or, you know, have some, some, new, some forgiven, some new understanding you know. of, yeah, the, which I still, do, people talk about that. I don't really, I don't, I think about stuff a lot, but I don't come to new understandings with much of that because I think even if I, if someone else could look at it objectively and say, you should totally let yourself off the hook for that. You didn't know any better. You were young. You know, I still, there's some part of me that has this sort of shame wiring or something. It's like, well, 
I did know better. I know that I knew better and I did it anyway. So You know that? You I can, can remember that? I mean, there's plenty in, of things I've done that I feel I, can, yeah. I feel badly about. And I I do think about them from time to time and, and get that sort of sick you know, flood of shame yeah. <laughs> that, you, that that really is a physical feeling. Yeah, it's nauseating. Yeah. Um, but I just think that the only way to really honor that, you know, mistake and whatever pain I may have caused is to very seriously be better. Yeah. And, and I don't know. And I, th- and I kind of think, and this is not a rationalization or maybe it's a healthy rationalization. I kind of think if you don't ultimately let yourself away from that really nauseating feeling is very hard to actually be better because I think that it takes a really high level of consciousness to recognize that you feel really badly about something, but not allow that to then make you act in other ways that you're not going to be proud of or, or have that skew your perception of new events that happen, you know, because we all are sort of protecting I mean, in a way, we want to protect ourselves from feeling ashamed. Yeah. And so we can go through great mental gymnastics to reframe situations, current situations, to sort of try to still protect those spots. And so I think if you don't, it's almost like if you don't forgive yourself, you're probably going to do something again, yep. fed by that I think original you're totally shame. Right. I think and so exactly it's right. the pattern makers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so I think. And manifestors, like that's, it goes back to both things. Like, I think you're, you're creating that, your intention is in that place still. If you're sitting in shame, you're, you're still intending to be ashamed of those experiences. So the intention and all of its energy sits in that place and nowhere else. So you have to move it out of there. You're right. Well, it's this whole, like this whole notion in thinking about consciousness that you are what you attend to, you Mm -hmm. know, that, that we basically are the set of things that we pay attention to right. yeah, <laughs> internally and externally. Yeah. Well, that's why I asked earlier how much you believe in that, like how much you just, you can just by simply focusing on like the, the, an example would be like when you're looking for a new car, you know, looking at used cars or whatever, and you, you start to think about a specific model or a type or whatever. And then suddenly you're seeing it everywhere. You see right. that car, one that you never really paid attention to before. And suddenly it's all over the road and, so yeah, if that if that really is just a matter of putting your focus yeah, in one place rather than another, it seems like it would be pretty simple to just map out what you would like to think about in your life and and you know, of course, there're going to be there're going to be hurdles and and complications at every turn, but the idea would still be the same. Like I I would like to feel this way and not carry these feelings and this you know and then set your intention there and then go go toward that yeah it's an interesting question why why one can't do that but i was thinking about this this morning that part of me always wants to figure out the next thing in my quest to sort of do new things with artwork but even with myself and the way that i think about my day-to-day life you know that i'm always kind of interested in like oh what's the next What's sort of the next thing I can fix or work on or mm-hmm. embrace or learn about? Yeah. But then the other part, there's another part of me that oh, is really always craving to be more of a ritual or a routine in life. Huh. And and then I and I was thinking about this this morning that these things are completely at odds with each other because, mm-hmm. but when I'm feeling so thwarted that I'm not 
in either of those zones, mm -hmm. it's because those zones are absolutely opposites with each other. And so how can I claim to want to do both of these things? And the, the reality is that today when I was thinking about this writing, I was actually writing about it, it was the first time that I really kind of put those two those two separate goals kind of in the same place together and realized how completely incompatible they were. Okay. And I thought, okay, well, this is why I get so frustrated because I'm not recognizing that things I explicitly say I want are really <laughs> are not going to work together. And Do you think I, they really are mutually exclusive? I don't think they're mutually exclusive in the sense that I don't think it's possible to find a way to kind of braid them into the same life. Mm -hmm. But I do think that if you're not aware that if you're focusing on one for a while and then the other one, another one for a while, like, that's not going to make a whole complete sort of I see. life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it becomes one or the other. It's going to be like a chapter of this and then a chapter yeah. of that. And yeah. it's, it's distracting. And so I, I don't know. I, I feel like for me anyway, I, I get into different moods or states and I kind of run with them. Like we're talking about, yeah. you know, sort of getting into this thing and exploring this thing. And then I don't think that I recognize that the transition between that and some other state is just as important. Mm -hmm. I, I, ha I have a whole thing with transitions that I don't do well with transitions in life, that I don't transition well from you know, one kind of event and one kind of emotion right. to another. And that, I think we talked about this recently. Yeah. And, and so it seems to me that that's, that's the key, you mm. know, to kind of braiding it all together in some way. <laughs> Figuring out how to do transitions yeah. better. It's almost like the transitions simply. are the, the part that's missing. That's the third part of the braid. That's the, the yeah. piece that we use right. it together. Sure. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. To take the braid metaphor. It's true. Like what is the, you, you do need three pieces. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just twisting it and then just comes untwisted right. again. Like, yeah, I feel I like I'm, I'm just this dark, kind of, there's like this well, dark, I'm just kind trying, of these I, little cesspools uh, of yeah. pain and creepy weirdness. And I mean, it's like, I'm, a, I mean, it, you know, I, I feel like, like, like you are trying to help me and I'm not helpable, okay. not in a bad way, but just that you keep trying to like, give me like like an insight scenarios yeah, yeah. of what's the happening and what I am <laughs> and why this is happening. And then I just keep going and I'm just keep staying in my, like, like I'm like, but no, there's yeah. this. And, but, ah, there's that. Do you, do you, you think know? that's worth looking at any of that stuff that that's your reaction to it? I could. I mean, I mean, it's just, I think. Or is that, that just is, another thing? Another trigger? <laughs> like, like, stop I think, telling me what to no, do. No, no. I mean, I think it's just like, like beautiful to just be with 
like the complexity or just the mud and you know i think that there's something about trying to take it and pull it out into i mean this is just what i think on what i feel this is not like that the end of the end answer but like when i just did that like it's like i just feel like like i don't want it to be chopped up and arranged. And analyzed. And, oh, oh yeah. I just don't want it to be arranged in some shape that maybe it's not because maybe there's really something deeper in there mm-hmm. that like will at some point in my life open up and reveal itself to me that this is what's going on or that's what happened. Or, you know, it's like right now there are these like, it's like there are like these deep rooted like sea things mm-hmm. like mud sea swamp things okay. you know and like i mean but i mean of course there's a part of me that is like you know because i'm really smart and have a strong analytical mind so like there's a part of me that's tried to do all the stuff yeah. with it but it feels like every time i try to figure it out like that it's like it's like taking out something and bringing it to the arid air and like there's something about the air that makes it like not good like it like it shrivels up and shriv- yeah like it needs to stay there like okay. because there's something like i think it's like because i think that love that i've had for all these people and that care that i've had for all these people and like that's like a beautiful thing yeah. and also the relationships that i've had have been like beautiful yeah. you know like they're very me full you know like heartful and me yeah. and like they were we were together i mean these are people i just like love yeah yeah. You know, so it's like I can't say they're bad. I can't say I'm bad because it was a good thing, you know. And right. Well, yeah, and, and I'm I not trying to say, say that anyone's bad either. No, I'm I, just saying it's like I, I'm just the end of their... yeah. I'm just trying to f- I and I'm not trying to fix you or that you know like I I'm just I'm interested in this kind of stuff and I'm curious about how how people come to be who they are based on what's happened in their lives, you know, and and I don't. I don't think it's anyone's job to figure it out for someone else, but I, but I feel like if it were me and I were having that particular struggle, I would be eager to, to find something. And I'm not, I know you've done the work, obviously you've, you've looked at it. It's not like you're in denial of what's happening, but, um, so I don't even know. I'm just talking about, I'm not even trying to say like, well, you need to do this in order to feel better or you need to do this. I'm just seeing, I'm just talking about what I see from the outside, which, and, and not even only in your context. I just, when I look around at the world, that's what I see. I see a lot of people who don't, they don't want to go that deep. They're, it's scary, you know? And it's not their fault. They, they want to be spiritually alive and awake and, you know, engaged. They just don't have maybe not yet or maybe not ever they don't have that specific ability or desire or combination of those to get there you know and that's it it's not a judgment it's not a it's not a judgment of you or them and I, and I don't even I'm I would like there to be a way to fix it because it seems like that would be better it'd be better for you it'd be better for general relationships in general if people could get honest and be and talk about stuff and work through it I think it's just better and so it's hard not to apply that when I hear somebody who's struggling. I'm just like, oh, I want it to be better for you, you know? So I'm looking for solutions. I'm not trying to fix you. I'm just trying to look for a way that in the world that we live in where it's not, doesn't seem like it's a great fit in some ways, 
I'm trying to look for ways to have it fit better, you know, for all of us, for everyone. You know, I know I I've had like times where like did you ever see that movie with um the Jim Carrey where everybody was really honest? Oh wait, I which one? What it's called, but it was is like it liar, where, liar. Is it no? That, that it's ch- like, but it was like a movie where like in the world people just said exactly what they oh, felt. They said it in this about. kind of monotone way. Uh huh. And I was thinking like, I do I, I wish it. that the world was like that? And I was like, no, because like I mean in that movie, but like yeah, I just. I don't I know. <laughs> but it's complex because oh no, it it's complex because like these people like for example these people that I know like they some of them are like so much more beautiful than me in other ways, like funnier or crazier mm. or you know braver or wilder. It's like and who's you know is like I can't you know it's just yeah but how does what does that matter like why does because that i mean i don't think comparing attributes with another person's ever going to wind up well for but, that, but you're just saying like that i'm more honest than these people and that right they that's can't that's your particular honesty. thing that goes too far for them whereas their particular thing doesn't go too far for you yeah, there's not, like, if I'm going to be friends with somebody, it takes a while for me to be friends because yeah. I'm from the East Coast and that's the way we do <laughs> Slow it. Slow to warm up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which I think is a good way, you know. Yeah, you get test to the know, waters. Yeah, you get to know somebody, see if there really is enough connection. Right. But if I'm going to be friends with somebody and it takes me about a year, okay. I, I'm really there. Yeah, Like, I'm, friend. like, totally, well, I'm, like, okay with everything. I can take anything. But there are people I don't like. Yeah. I don't want to be friends with everybody. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I know what you're saying. You, you accept your friends as they are. Once I become once friends. Once you've learned, yeah. Once we're, we're friends. Well, then you're better at that than, <laughs> than some people. Because some people can't. Yeah, I think it's like somebody said once that I expect, I think everybody's the way I am. Yeah. You know, and, and it's and like. And they're not. They and just they're not. And that's, and that's the express, that's what I'm trying to get to, I think, ultimately. It's like, that's it. That's that, that's, it's that simple. It's not anybody doing anything wrong. It's just that they you are. See, that people. feels better to me to just say th- that, like something yeah. like that. Okay. Like, that they're not, it's not like I'm this great something that it's just, I, yeah, I just it's think just a everybody's going to just... be like that. Like they're going to, that that's, and I do a little bit, you know, and part of it is informed by just the way I, not from my bad parents, but just from growing up and all the movies and books about like good friendships <laughs> yeah, and you know? what, what that means and, <laughs> and what yeah. that means yeah. and loving people and like all the psych and everything. It's like, I do think everybody, I do feel like I'm doing it right and yeah. everybody should do it the way that I'm doing it. I, know. You know? I do feel that way, but yeah, I have that same experience. And it, but it just isn't true. But it just isn't, not, it isn't true for others. That's no, the thing. It's, it's true not for you. true for others. Yeah. How can that be? Don't they watch the movies? Uh, like, not as much as the you... movies like hammer it into them no. and the books and stuff like the good books, like the old good books, like C.S. Lewis and, you know, these beautiful books about like lasting friendship and care yeah. and like, you know, Winnie the Pooh and Christopher Robin and, you know, don't they, are these like classic full on truths? Of how to be with each other. Maybe Oops, they're sorry. maybe they're more ideals, and we just haven't figured out how to live up to them yet. You know, like those stories are not necessarily true. Those are that's what we want. It's what it's the ideal. You know, we just haven't. see. This is really interesting to me. <laughs> 
it to just, look at it like this. Well, it just occurred to me that that's maybe what it is. It's like, yeah, these things that we've based our lives on, these, you know, these romantic fantasies or whatever, the things that we see in movies and that we write into movies and we put them in books. And that, like, it's a, it's a fantasy of sorts that we would really love to have play out that way. And but it's it, not a fantasy because it lives inside of you like a thrumming stream. I mean, it's like, it's not just a so, fantasy. So maybe it's, it's like fully, it feels more like right? a destiny. You know, it feels like what, not, what... It's like part of who you are. So, I mean, it's that's like, what I mean. Like it feels like it's it has to be. Like it's going to come out because that's what it feels. It feels so strong that way. But then I think that... Well, I believe that we... Like society has collectively agreed to... to look at these things and not look at these things and you know everybody has their own different version of it but uh, on the whole the the general consensus is it's okay to to not you know it's better actually to not look at the stuff that's that's painful or to do the extra work to make yourself a better person or what you know like but i i think that we you think so you think no i mean i think society has done that i think that the way that I don't think that's human nature, but I do think that um, I think it's been corrupted somehow. I think that humans are are off course, you know, as a whole. Like we've been, we we forgot what we're what we're doing here, and uh, and that. So that's what I mean. I don't think it's like there's all this mal intent, and that all these bad there's this bad force in the world that's trying to overtake the good force, and it. You know, I don't see it like that. I think that people are just off course and they're behaving badly because they don't know any better because they're confused about how to get back to the true self and the cent- you know, the center, the feeling right in the world. They don't feel right. And I think our society is full of people who don't feel like they belong because our whole, the whole framework is about discriminating the whole the whole setup is about you being wrong compared to this other person you know you're not pretty enough you're not good enough smart you're not there's always a comparison and there's always somebody who you can't measure up to and therefore you are less than in this way and so now we just look because of our discriminating minds we just look for ways to to single one another out and put you in a different place i don't know it seems like that's what our society is doing right now and I, and it I don't, seems like that. And I don't think that's the normal human way. I think that we're, it just got corrupted by the the uh, the collective agreements that we've made to like. Uh, and I actually think this is the foundation of it. It's people not willing to look at their own stuff is what is causing this whole. Because our entire society is basically one big diversion, right? So like the whole the whole thing is like. Pay attention to this over here, you know, look at like make money, do, do this, look at this entertainment, do these things that keep your mind busy so that you don't have to do this other stuff, this inside stuff. It seems like the, the, the society was built around the principle of running away from the true, you know, the inner self, as opposed to some older civilizations where it was more self, you know, you're de- delving into the self to figure out what's going on. So I think that we started looking in the wrong way, in the wrong directions and putting our energy and our focus and concentration on these things that are false. They're not really, they don't represent us as beings. And I think that's why we've gone astray as a, as a race, as a species. I, I've also been like, just like kind of noticing like how much like people like to say, like people really love to say, tell you what you're doing wrong or how to do it better, like yeah. in all areas. And I just, like, I've been just kind of, like, noticing that and thinking about how, like, 
it's like we have these like weird like there's like all these things of like how we're supposed to do things rules there's all about these, like, like yeah, ladders to, to climb of all in every Hoops arena to jump through and yeah and some people feel like they have it and then they then they can tell other people and right. it's just like but it's like a whole weird like like miasma of this yeah. you know and it's like in every every single arena like diets virtuality yeah. education Everything. so you there's like these it just, things we've set up like why the, are there all these things there's like, the the term just occurred to me it's a subjective hierarchy it's like a, it's like we have all these rankings of things but every single one of us has our own set of them right and once in a while, they they measure up to each other. Like, oh yeah, we believe pretty closely to this. You know, this is how we think this person is good, this person is bad, or this behavior. Or whatever. Right, right. But if every single one of us is carrying around our own set of filters and lenses and our own subjective, you know, assessment of what everybody else is doing, it's never gonna it's never gonna be right. We're never gonna find all of the things that we're looking for in every person that we look at and say, oh yeah, you're on you're onto something. But <laughs> But if we could, instead of criticizing, say, you're doing that wrong, you should do it like this, if we could just start talking about the stuff they're doing right, you know, just shift the focus to what that person is doing right and talk about that with them. And then they are going to feel empowered to do more of that and feel like they have something. They're like, okay, cool. Tell me more. What else, what else can I learn? You know, but, if but even... Even and even that though, and I think that's like some part like why I was so resistant to like the things that you were saying because it's like it feels like even that like why is there even like why do we have I know. anything I know. any why is there any like talking to people and telling them that they're doing good like why is there any instructions about anything why does everyone have the like why do we need that why do we need that can we operate from something else like everybody's operating from this thing where it's like you know this it's is the right way to do it yeah. this is the right way and it's like and it, it doesn't matter where it's like in psychology you know there's yeah, like it's, everywhere. Why, it's like why are we doing that like like why are we even doing that like why people, can't we all just be different kinds of organisms right. that work together i feel you that's that's what i want that's what i've always wanted and that's what i've always felt and i've always been confused about why more people don't want that and i get it i totally like get just it your own little like why can't yeah, we all just be, be just who, different just be colors of weird things yep. that we like we're like Woo, yeah yeah look at that one cool oh what's with that purple yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, that's you know know, and the main thing is just caring about each other so we don't hurt each other like that is something i can can handle as far as an instruction well and that's like a and that shouldn't even have to be an instruction that should be an intrinsic thing an intrinsic thing and that's and i think it is i actually think that it It is is an intrinsic thing and that's why i think the society corrupting that's that's why i think that's what i think happened we lost our we lost sight of that that instinct, that nature.
Thank you for listening, everyone. I truly appreciate it. This podcast is near and dear to my heart. I love working on it. I love making all the music for it. I really enjoy talking to all the people who share themselves with me. I'm full of gratitude for all my guests and for you, the listener, and just for the opportunity to enrich my life in this way. This will be the last broadcast of 2019. I'm kind of happy to say goodbye. It's been kind of a rough year, personally. Not that the year dictates uh, what happens in one's life, but we do tend to think that way. So here's to 2020. Wishing you all the best. And since that's not entirely feasible, that only the best things happen. I'm going to wish you fortitude and love and all the support you need to persevere through any difficulties you may encounter. Uh, The world is a bit troubling these days for a lot of us, but I believe that if we stick together and operate out of love and kindness, that we will make it. So I love you, and I will talk to you soon.